A podcast of the cinema. This package, this <laughs> bottle of psyllium husk capsules yes. nearly derailed my microphone movement. Well, maybe you should I moved it out of the check way. Check the area first. I moved it out of the way in the nick of time. Great. Phew. By crisis averted. This, listen, I've got some podcasting tips for everybody. Mm-hmm. When you are podcasting, make sure your recording area is free of stray Metamucil bottles. <laughs> that's yeah. That's really rule one in famous podcasters. You need they, they're right there with that. You one. need to have enough fiber in your daily diet, but at the same time, don't let it interfere with your work. No, for sure. Uh, you're Dave White. I'm Alonzo Duraldi. Yes. We're both film critics. Yes. We write for The Wrap. Yes. We are husbands. Yes. That's it. That last detail is not a professional detail. Yeah, but it's, you know. It's part of the ambient noise of this uh, event. It's it's part this of... This weekly event. It's part of our shtick. I don't think of it as a shtick. <laughs> we only got married so we could have yes. a gimmick. That was, yeah. <laughs> You know what would really boost your numbers? <laughs> Gay. <laughs> that's that's where all the action is. Gay. Well, it's fixing to be Pride Month. It is. So is there any way, is any corporate entity looking to brand with us Yeah. to turn Pride into a money-making event? <laughs> <laughs> Who out there with us Who? whose rainbow logo suddenly has a rainbow, rainbow. on it? We are wants a piece of this. We are ready to be rainbow capitalists because right. all the other types of capitalism have not worked for us. Yeah. So we would like someone somewhere. Bedazzle us some roller skates, we'll put them on. I that's not what I will do. I that I'll fall down and I've I have a hard enough time walking across the apartment Fair. without falling down. Yeah. Now the last time I wore roller skates it did not go well. Hey, you know what you should do? What's that? Uh, close that window so that the garbage trucks oh, fine. are. Because they're just going to keep doing their thing. Plus, the tree dudes are across the street removing a dead tree from the uh, other apartment it building. It is literally always something. It is, yeah. But it's. it would be nice if that were not uh, happening. Thank you. Thank you. Now we're in a soundproof booth. Ah, yes. <laughs> Professional podcasting. You know, Alonzo, yes, sir. the Cannes Film Festival is happening right now. It is. Are we there? No. And, uh, but you know what? You know what? The most exciting thing about the Cannes Film Festival this year happened already. It happened today. Is it one of the side things that's all about like dogs or naked people or something? It is a side thing, but it's very important. Okay. Do okay. tell. So Magnum Ice Cream. <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> no, you're not. Magnum ice cream. 
has teamed up with superstar Korean DJ uh, Peggy Goo. Okay. And Kylie Minogue. Uh, <laughs> oh. wait. Isn't this... I thought this had already happened. They, it dropped today. Uh, seven hours ago. Their new single, their new single is dropping, is dropping. The f- <laughs> Peggy Goo remixed Can't Get You Out of My Head. Mm-hmm. They made a music video about it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a good little remix too. They made a two and a half minute commercial. <laughs> yeah, let's call it what it is. And it's like part Kylie Minogue can't get you out of my head video, which we all understand to be an all timer. Is and that the one where she goes around in circles and it's the same thing over and over again? No, no. How dare you? I. <laughs> how do you live with yourself in this home <laughs> and not know these things? That Sorry. I never stop talking about. <laughs> this proves that you don't listen to a word I say. <laughs> I've never claimed otherwise. I, What's the one where she goes around in a circle and I'm gonna, the same thing no, over again? I'm not going to tell you. You have to go do your own homework. <laughs> I don't have the, I don't have time for this labor with you. Great. Matt and five <laughs> other gay men are yelling at their speakers at me. Sorry. I don't remember which I'm, Kylie Minogue video is. Which. Here's the worst part about what you're doing right now. Didn't you show this video to one of your classes at Chapman to show something? Or was that someone else who did that? That's not me. (laughs) Someone else showed that video to their classes because Michelle Gondry made that video. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Okay. okay, So that wasn't you. I was, I'm I'm confusing you with someone better. Apparently. (laughs) So let's get back to the important details. Magnum ice cream. Mm Mm-hmm. Collabs. Not a sponsor of this show, with, but you've said the name like five times with, now. Well, it's because I sure do love their ice cream well, on a stick. I mean, come on. They collaborated with Kylie Minogue, who didn't lift a finger, by the way. Just she just was like, Yes, attach my name. So this to, is like this is like Dan Klaus and OK Cola. You can pay me <laughs> for this thing that already exists. And and Peggy Goo remixed the song. Uh-huh. They made a they made a commercial out of it where Peggy's in like the dentist chair or the doctor's office, and she's like, "I can't get this out of my head." Meaning, who can get Magnum ice cream out of their head? No one. I can't get it out of my hips, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so, I don't know what movies are showing at Cannes this year, but I do know everything about. <laughs> You ought to know because two of your two of your ladies are there. Claire Denis and Kelly Reichardt have yeah. new movies no, in competition. Oh, they do, they do. Yeah. Okay, great. Uh, here's my thing about Can. I wait. I, neither of them are commercials for Magnum ice cream. I wait. <laughs> I wait until after. I see the festival's over, and then I look and see what happened, and what films were there, and what films I have to look forward to, I see. and which ones somehow are not getting picked up for American distribution because that's the, those are the ones I'm really starting to well, sure. the hunt for because what if they never get American distribution? Right. How will I see them? Well, speaking of uh, uh, people not paying attention to each other, I wrote an entire preview piece for The Wrap about what was in competition this year and you clearly didn't bother to read it. Love so. of my life. I never read anything you write <laughs> unless you present it to me before you publish it. For editing. Yes. Which is every review. Right. You send me every review so I can help you proofread it. Yes. Do a thorough 
job. Oh, it's true. You're ruthless. Um, I'm mean. Let's just, I mean, I'm not mean, but that's the refrain. The constant refrain is, you're mean to me. And I'm like, no, be better. <laughs> How about that? That's not the same thing as being mean. Well, fine. that's That's tough love. That's the James Dobson. Oof. <laughs> tough love. Please. <laughs> so, um... But when you just write, like, an article about something, mm-hmm. about, like, here's what's okay in this month, or here's, you know. You can't be bothered. Uh, Fine. I have a lot of other very important things I to I see read. how it is. I'm reading, I just started reading Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller for the very first time in my life. Well, smell you. I finished, I read, and when I say just started, I mean I just finished the preface written by <laughs> Anais Nin. You haven't gotten to Henry Miller yet. Where she, like... Praises it like the most beautiful thunderstorm that ever happened, wow. and 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 then as you she finish, was not given to understatement. You finish nice. reading it, and you're like you're thinking. So the sex is real good, right? <laughs> that's what obviously, we're really reviewing here. That's right? obviously like this is. <laughs> now look, the Kylie Minogue remix for yes. Magnum Ice Cream is all well and good. It is. Where is the Dolly Parton? Taco Bell Mexican pizza musical we have been promised. I heard about that, but I don't understand it. I don't either. Is it a musical written by Dolly Parton about Taco Bell Mexican pizza? Is it an ad? Is it a song? I don't understand. How long is it? Is it a full Broadway length style musical? It, it could be, for all I know. Is I, it going to star? Because there was there was a whole Broadway show that ben was like Platt. Skittles or something with Michael C. Hall or something. Oh, there was a Skittles musical, Remember? yeah, and he dressed up like a Skittle. He, he tasted the rainbow. I don't know. I yeah. didn't see it, but so I, that's why I don't know what this Mexican pizza thing is. This is what I'm saying. Some deep pockets corporation needs to collaborate with us. Yes, them x us. Sure. Because we are the voice of the contemporary LGBTQIA plus and go run, go run my check. <laughs> I'm trying to say, a couple of white cis guys in their fifties. We we have got our finger on the pulse. <laughs> I mean, kinda a little, <laughs> maybe, I guess. I guess we have four films to discuss today. Five. We have five films to discuss today. One of them is Firestarter. Yes. And it goes a little like this. A small child starts digital fires with her brain <laughs> whenever she's upset. Yes. Her father is Frowny Zach Efron. <laughs> he has to save her from the bad people who want to use her fire starting abilities. And in the end, she starts a fire on them. And they win. And then they go live in a very cold and rainy place so that she can do no more harm. I'm making up that last part. No, no, it's not quite how it goes. But but that's the movie, and it's terrible. It is It is terrible. a very terrible movie, and it looks very ugly. Um, it is badly It is badly made all around. Did you ever see the Drew Barrymore one? No. I have a vague recollection of no, catching I it didn't. on cable. I did read the book and yeah. I which I mentioned only because I've read fewer than 10 Stephen King novels. I know novels. the Prodigy song. Yeah, well, sure. I've I've read not that many Stephen King books in my life, but for some reason Firestarter is one of them. How many Stephen King books have you read? Uh okay. 
I've read Firestarter. You don't need to list them. You can just count them in your imaginary I mind. I mean, uh, like six or seven, maybe? Wow, that's a lot of Stephen King books. Uh, okay, now hold on. Now I have to... Uh, I mean, relative to the number he's written, it's not. Exactly. That's still I've, a lot. I read, I read Firestarter, Shining, Like how Did it's... you like them, or did you finally, after number six, go, you know what, maybe I'm not into this anymore? Well, it wasn't like I read them in a row. They All just right. sort of land on your lap every so often. How? How does a Stephen King book land on your lap? I've never had a book land on my lap All right. and demand to be opened and read. I remember I wound up with a hardcover copy of Misery that I didn't ask for, but it was like yes. I was in some book club and it just I didn't send in the thing on time or something, you know, like the Columbia House. And so I just remember thinking like, all right, I'm gonna I I remember literally putting it on the shelf and being like, one day I will be sick. And I will be in bed all day, and then I will read Misery and get ready for the movie that hasn't come out yet. Right, yeah, yeah. And I did that very thing. Oh, okay. I I read The Shining in high school because... Uh, it was a thing to read. It was a thing to read. I right. think ditto Firestarter. It was and a bestseller. I, you were reading the bestseller. Exactly. Yeah. And I read it because it was a big to-do when it came out because it was so freaking long. And I thought, oh, yes. what the heck, I'll read this. Yeah. Maybe just those four? Did you read The Stand? Nope. That's very long. That's very long. Extremely long. And it got longer. Did it? The original run of The Stand was like, it was one of his early novels before he became, you know, Stephen King. Yes. And um, after he became Stephen King, he put out like another edition of The, of the Stand that was actually, had all the stuff the publisher made him take out. <laughs> so it was even more of a doorstop. Um, but yeah, no, I've never read that. I've read one novel and one short story collection. Hmm. Carrie, yeah, night shift. Yeah, the end. I don't have uh, 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 anything against Stephen King or no. his books. It's, yeah, it's just not my not my jam. But if you're gonna make a movie, but yeah, this movie is garbage. Why not? Why not make it be The Shining? Yeah, instead of something like this. Yeah, this is. I mean, the one the one leg. I know up, we're not really going deep on the. The terribleness of this, but I mean, like... It it feels so thrown together. It is murky and ugly and... Half-written. Dull and, you know, the performances are not... The performances are not the fault of the actors. Yeah. But... They're just they everyone up here to is do a capable a thing. human being. And I, the one thing I will give this movie credit for over the original somebody one: somebody directed something badly and then edited something badly. Th- there, there is a Native American character in yes. the novel. Yes, who in this movie is played by Michael Grayeyes. Yes, in the previous version, he was played by George C. Scott. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So that's a that's a step forward. Okay. Yes. Beyond that, oh, the other cool thing about this movie, at least for the nerds, and it's but it's fine. I got it's right. fine. John Carpenter wrote the score. Oh, yeah, that's uh, true. With his son and somebody else, and and because at one point Carpenter was going to direct the original Firestarter, and then there was a parting of the ways, and then he somebody else scored it. But anyway, so now he finally got to do his score for somebody else's movie. George C. Scott, huh? George C. Scott, yes. Eighties. Thank you. All right. Let's move on. Let's. To films that are worth talking about. I, I would like that. On the count of three. Mm. Before we begin this discussion of On the Count of Three. Yes. You should know that On the Count of Three is a film that deals with uh, two uh, subjects. Uh, so this is a content warning announcement. 
Uh, it is a film that this, that deals with suicide. It is also a film that deals with uh, childhood sexual abuse. And that is a difficult combination yes. uh, for this film, uh, directed by Gerard Carmichael. Yeah, his first. You've seen it. You saw it at Sundance, what year? For 2021. You saw it for Sundance 2021. Yeah. And you reviewed it back then. Um, Christopher Abbott and Gerard Carmichael play childhood best friends, lifelong best friends. Christopher Abbott is in a psychiatric facility because he has tried to take his own life. Uh, and apparently this has been his life. Uh, and he has a traumatic past uh, with a psychiatrist who abused him as a child. Um, and while he is in the facility, um, Gerard Carmichael is, ex is himself feeling like he wants to die. So he comes to the uh, hospital. He breaks out Christopher Abbott. He says, I've got two guns. Let's do it. So they decide they're going to do it. And at the last minute, they say, wait a second. Let's not do it. Let's spend one last day doing all the things that we feel like doing. Actually, Abbott says that. And, okay. and, and Carmichael agrees. Well, they, he agrees. So they do. It is a, I'm going to call this a drama with elements of comedy. Yeah, that's fair. I would not call this film a comedy uh, entirely. It is. Uh, when it is funny, it is funny in the bleakest sense. It, it, when it is funny, yes, it is funny in the bleakest sense. It is also funny in a very you know, relationship-based kind of way, where yes. these two friends are making each other, like, upset. Yeah. In a, in a funny way. In a way that only people who know each other really, really well can do. Yeah. Uh, so the humor is not about suicide. The humor is about these two friends and their interactions with each other. Tiffany Haddish is in this film, so is J.B. Smoove, both of them in dramatic roles. And Henry Winkler. Henry Winkler is also in this film uh, as the psychiatrist. Uh, it's written by Ari Katcher and Ryan Welch, who co-created the show Rami mm -hmm. uh, for Hulu, and also were writers on The Carmichael Show. What do you think about this movie, Alonzo Drowley? I think it works. Um, it is an audacious attempt to tell this story in this specific way. And I think that it, you know, for a first time director to kind of try and juggle these tones in a way that isn't going to spill over into the, the sort of inappropriately jokey or the just like despondently maudlin, uh, you know, it, it's a tough one, but I think Carmichael pulls it off. Um, as I've been talking about this show, or as I've been talking about this film, I, I, I talk about how Carmichael's directorial style resembles his stand-up style in that he is not afraid of the the uncomfortable silence. Right. You know, and, and he will sort of let scenes just sort of like progress in a way where you don't quite know where they're going. Is there going to be a joke here? Is this supposed to be funny? Um, 
you know, and and by you know, I think casting people who are best known for comedy in these roles that are not in any way funny, right, adds to all of that. Yes, um, you know, we were big fans of Carmichael's sort of uh, documentary shorts, his autobiographical movies, yeah, it was called yeah, it was home movies for HBO a few years ago, where he would interview his parents separately, the the people in his neighborhood that he grew up around, yep. his siblings, right, yeah, sisters, yeah, um. You know, and, and and he had a he had a very sure hand in that, and I think he has a very sure hand in this. And so I I'm very curious to see where else he's going to go as a filmmaker, especially now that, in the wake of the Rough Annual special, I think that you know maybe he's going to be interested in tackling you know LGBTQ material maybe. from his maybe his not. perspective, and maybe not. Yeah. And he, you know, if he doesn't, he can do what he wants. Uh, but whatever he's doing so far is working for me. I. I find his uh, filmmaking style very comfortable, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Uh, he has a very sort of you know indie naturalist sure. aesthetic at work. Uh, home movies was like that. This film is like that. Um, he's he's got those dramatic beats down where you don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. Uh, and when it is funny, it is, it is with a light touch so that you're not feeling weird about, you know, finding the humor in this, finding humor in this, this last day situation. Um, I approve (laughs) of him as a filmmaker. I wish I could say that I want to ever watch this movie again. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of movies that I, I think very highly of and have no plan or intention to ever watch them again, but I'm glad I yeah. saw them the time that I did. He has a really good grasp of uh, the intimacy of friendships. Mm-hmm. But this was, I I will not uh, uh, pretend, this is this was very tough to watch. Uh, it, it's upsetting. It, it is an upsetting movie. Um, and so, you know, I admire it. But I wasn't, you know, when it was over, I just, I just sort of let out my breath, you know. Right. And so, as a, as a critic, do you recommend a movie that is sort of emotionally well, tough. I think I think you're straight you you're straightforward about what it is and yeah. people can listen and be like, "Oh, that's that's that like something I want to see or that does not sound like something I want to see." Um yeah, it is a it is a challenging film, it is a tough sit, but I think there are uh, there are rewards there. It's not it's yeah. not just, you know, despondency for despondency's sake. No, it's yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's just, you know, People ask you, you know, when you're a critic, is it good? Should I watch it? And I'm like, it's good. If if entertainment is your goal. I think when we were on KCRW last week, I think what I said to Madeline was, know yourself. Yeah. Before you watch this. Yeah. Um, You know, you want a first time filmmaker to have an audience 
And at the same time, you want to tell that audience, hey, maybe it's not going to be for you. But I, you know? I think, I mean, absolutely, yes. But I think by the same token, it's worth acknowledging the fact that, you know, for a stand-up comedian's directorial debut, he is not doing something that is well, he's not of, pulling any punches he's no, not pulling true. punches and he's not yeah. he's not doing that sort of a comfortable branding effort of like oh well if you liked his sitcom and you enjoy his stand-up then you'll certainly love the tone of this film it's like no the tone of this film is quite different than those things but he brings it off really well uh the next movie that we will be talking about is called pleasure mm-hmm which I also saw for Sundance 2021. Occasionally, ironically titled Pleasure. Yes. Uh, it's about a, first of all, it is from, uh, wait a second, I've got her name. Ninja Tiberg. Ninja Tiberg, thank you. Uh, she's a Swedish filmmaker, and uh, it stars a Swedish actor named Sofia Kappel. Uh, so this is Ninja Tiberg's first narrative feature. Narrative is that feature, right? yeah. yes. Uh, and it's Sophia Kappel's first uh, film wow. as well. So a young woman from Sweden arrives in the United States, and at customs they say, are you here for business or pleasure? And she says, pleasure. But she's here for business. She's moving to Los Angeles because she wants to be in porn. That is her ambition, and she has a lot of ambition. Uh, and so she sets out to become a porn star. Uh there, what happens is she she quickly gets uh, an agent. She moves it to a porn model's uh, house with some other women, and she starts going on shoots. Um, she's got cold feet on the first uh, shoot, and the director kind of talks her through it. And when it's done, she says, "Glad I did it." So over the course of the film, she navigates this, this business. Um, and she navigates the people in it, and she navigates the working environments. Uh, there's one really instructive sequence uh, at about a third of the way through the movie where she's on a, a woman-run set. And it is for a pretty intense BDSM scene that is quite rough. And they talk her, they talk her, uh, they tell her everything that she needs to know. There's one man on the set, and that is her scene partner. Everyone else is a woman. Uh, everyone else is like explaining every single little thing that she needs to, to understand before it happens. Very accommodating. They're to her very, well-being. very supportive. And, and what you get, and the guy is funny because she is, you know, tied up in the scene. The guy, you know, her scene partner is like, so, you know, if anything starts going wrong, just tap me on the leg. And she's like, my hands are tied up. And he says, then kick me. <laughs> 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 and um so you 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 get this idea from this particular sequence of what a truly supportive sex work environment could be and can be because the woman who plays the 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 director of the scene is herself a 
a porn director. In Mo- fact, most of the supporting cast in the film comes from the world. Of yeah, most most of the people in the film are uh, people who who already work in porn. Yeah. Um, in particular, uh, her name is uh, Revika Ann Roysel. Revika Revika Roysel. Uh, she performs in porn under the name Zelda Morrison, and so yes. that becomes a point of confusion, at least if you're looking her up on IMDb. Right. But in the film, she's credited as Revika Roysel. And she plays... Uh, uh, Joy. Joy, the best friend of the Sophia Keppel character, uh, whose, Bella name is, Cherry. whose name is Bella Cherry. Um, and... Ravika Roysel's performance is, like, it's stunning. She got a Spirit Award nomination. She got an Independent year. Spirit Award nomination for it. Yeah, and, and Joy is somebody who is immediately helpful and supportive to Bella, like, at a photo shoot where Bella's sort of awkward, like, you know, Joy kind of walks her through it and shows her the tricks and, like, the what are the good angles. And, and demonstrates a kind of care yes. that you are always hoping for in a in a colleague, a friend, a coworker. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, that, but as... Uh, as Bella sort of climbs the ranks and, uh, you know, gets better better and better gigs offered to her, with that comes compromises in terms of, you know, I don't want to be trouble, you don't want to be drama, you don't want to get a right. bad reputation. It's a way they control the women on set. Exactly, and yeah. it's all very much about, these are the women that have these concerns. You know, yeah. like nobody says that the men have too much, bring too much drama. Right. It's always the women, and so... Uh, you know, over the course of the film, as we see Bella become more successful, we also see what personal sacrifices she's willing to make, not only in terms of how she is willing to be treated, how she's willing to let, you know, other people around her behave, but also the way that she in turn deals with, you know, her relationships with with her peers and with her friends, um, which is what I think is so brilliant about the movie for the for the one on the one hand, it is a film that is set in the world of porn that is in no for me I think in no way clutching pearls about oh isn't this sad isn't no this, no it's not know, about that at all it's very straightforward and just like this is an industry it is a big industry and people work in it and they want to work in it and it, it you know that it doesn't judge them for that at all but also I think it's it's a you could make this movie about investment bankers you could make this movie right. at a Hollywood studio because it is about right. the conditions of the workplace and I think particularly the conditions of the workplace as they apply to successful women right. and what they have to face to compete and to succeed in the world as it is currently arranged Ultimately yes as as we said again to Madeline last week it is about the material conditions of work, the emotional conditions of work, the 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 complexity of work relationships, the complexity of women's friendships, um, and the filmmaking style is interesting because she draws a line quite often between the model house and the homes where. The homes that are being rented out for the shoots. The McMansions. Yeah. So you've got these very sort of gleaming white modernist homes, you know, overlooking the San Fernando Valley on the hill. Um, Or these like hideous, like Queen of Versailles kind of, you know, (laughs) ornately decorated places that are super tacky but extremely expensive. Um, And all of those spaces are very... uh, 
clean and cold. Uh, the warmest spaces in the film are the BDSM dungeon, <laughs> where where the where the the all woman set is taking place, right? And the model house where they have a nice cozy sort of cocoony, you know, we're all friends here kind of situation. And it's and it's about the production design. It's about the set decoration. It's about everything. The lighting to, to make you feel a certain way, depending on what space she's in. There's also, I think, a, a scene that that I, I I hope gets more discussion. Where at one point, as a contrast to the scenes of the woman run set, where Bella this is your content warning because there are there is a scene of sexual violence in this in this movie. Bella is doing an, a, a similar scene, but in a set that is that is run by men and very she, careless men. Yes, yeah. and she begins to feel uncomfortable. She wants to remove herself from it, and they talk her into completing the scene, but using the language of female empowerment, using yes. the language. They keep telling her how consent. strong she is. Yeah, yeah, and it's really creepy because it makes you realize that no matter what strives get made and how much we talk about things like Me Too and that sort of stuff, right. that there are always going to be men who are willing to, who, who will use the new terminology and the new language to commit the old offenses and yep. the old exploitation um and it's it, it's very delicately woven there but it's i i found that seemed very impactful and then there's a kind of a coda to it later where she implements that same t language for someone else it is and it's heartbreaking yeah it's it is ultimately again it's not an anti-porn film it is mostly a film about you know what do what do people have to go through to get where they want to go in their job. Yeah. Um, so again, kind of like on the count of three, it can be a tough one to watch. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's not, it's definitely not uh, anti-porn. No, no, no. You know what? What's that? Uh, we made a mistake. Oh. Yeah. We said there were five movies. There really are only four movies. Oh, because we talked about the. You yeah, were thinking you that we talked were gonna, about the Hong Sang Su already before I. We seen discussed it, the right. Hong Sang Su film uh, on the last episode, right. but then we talked about it after the episode. Yes. On KCRW. Yes. 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 Okay. And then you saw it. I did. Yes. Yeah, it's good, and it's... I'm right. I was completely right. <laughs> well, everything I said about it was right and true and correct. <laughs> sure, Jan. Do you disagree? It's a good movie. I, Hong Sang Su's "In Front of Your Face" is the name of the movie. Yes, I'm not. I don't get as excited over his aesthetic as you do, but I appreciate it. I respect it, and I, I, I think he he succeeds at what he is setting out to do. Well, faint praise. Well, I, you know, look, I have. I'm not mad at this movie. I, I think it 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 is it is absolutely it unfolds the way that he wants it to and it achieves what he wants it to achieve. I just wasn't excited about it. So what is our fourth film? I just, one more comment. It's wrong of you not to be excited. About it. <laughs> Thank you. Wrong. <laughs> Sometimes people are objectively wrong. Okay. And that's what you're being right now. Okay. Do you understand? <laughs> All right. I'm glad you do. Great. Thank you. <clears throat> Hello, bookstore. Hello, bookstore. 
wouldn't it be cool if this bookstore was called Hello Bookstore <laughs> instead of the bookstore? The bookstore, like, and I know the reason they called the movie Hello Bookstore is because he answers, answers the, the phone. phone. Hello Bookstore, you know. Uh, in Lenox, Massachusetts, there is a bookstore called the Bookstore. It is run uh, by a man named Matthew Tannenbaum. He has owned it since 1976. And he's a he's a character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's an old hippie. And he loves running his little bookstore. And it's a little bookstore. And he but there's a little wine bar attached to yes. it as well. Called Get Lit. That's right. <laughs> and um and he especially loves to hang out and talk to the customers and tell them stories and read stuff to them and recite poetry and Apparently, like the the movie now follows me on Twitter because we <laughs> because we because we mentioned the Edith Wharton joke on KCRW. KCRW yes, um, I won't spoil the Edith Wharton joke, but it's here in the film, and it's a it's it is funny, but you do have to know something about Edith Wharton yes. to get it. Uh, um, Mr. Tannenbaum is the kind of retailer that gives a neighborhood. Yeah. It's neighborhoodness. That's correct. Much like our beloved Sonia, who for years and hopefully very soon will oh, once not again. Just hopefully, it's happening. Okay. Well, the 28th is the pre opening event oh, that nice. you and I have been invited oh, to. Oh, good. I am so stoked. Irv's Burgers is coming back to our neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah I think, especially as, as the world gets more and more, you know, subsumed by chain everything. Uh, People who start their own business and are passionate about it and, you know, are there and, and you know, if you grow up somewhere and, and you it's, it's a place that you go to for years and it's a comforting presence and it just becomes, you know, you you associate a store or restaurant with stages of your life, with, with moments right. of your life. You know, that's that that's the kind of thing you can't put a price on. It's the, this really wonderful intangible that makes a neighborhood a neighborhood. And as we see over the course of Hello Bookstore, the bookstore is that for this town in Massachusetts. Yeah. So uh, Adam Zacks is the filmmaker here. And this is, again, it's a documentary about a bookstore that falls on hard times during the pandemic. Um, And the community rallies around the place and they set up a GoFundMe and they raised over $100,000 to save the place. Yeah. Um, And... It's Capra esque. It really is. I was just saying, it's it's the it's a wonderful life of bookstore documentaries mm-hmm. where, you know, everyone who would have normally shopped there, who couldn't, or who, you know, maybe hadn't lately because they just were going to Amazon. Maybe they weren't leaving their house. Oh well, them you know? too. Yes, like, obviously. Yeah. But. And so that business went fully south uh, mm-hmm. during 2020. And you see him, you know, managing it in a way where he's sort of like people come to the door, they tell him what they want, or they, they tell him, a, him an idea of what they want. He they give him a credit card number through the window. Through the window. <laughs> he puts the package outside on the sidewalk. They stand back, you know, like it's a whole, it's definitely, you know, the idea that took place in, in 2020 of stay away from me. Yeah. You know, there ain't no vaccine yet. <laughs> Get it? When I was still going to the post office, 
in 2020 and people would stand too close to me. Uh, you know, everyone was, everybody was mostly masked back then. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, there was no vaccine and no one really, you know, they were all saying, oh, six feet, you know, and so the post office marks were six feet apart. Uh And if someone was off that mark, I'd be like, back up. I should have gotten you an air horn. I didn't need an air horn. Didn't need the air horn. I just said, back up. (laughs) And uh, usually they would comply. Usually. Well, sometimes they just looked at me. And I would say, please back up. You need a please, (laughs) a-hole. Don't get me started. Anyway, back in the post office again. It's 2022. (laughs) Things are different now. Right. But yeah, Hello Bookstore. It's charming. It is, it is, it is a sweet, sweet movie. Uh, I would say, well, I like it better than the the documentary called The Booksellers that came out a couple years ago. Although that's worthwhile. It's a good one too. It's it's worthwhile looking at too. Uh, Then there was the very bad narrative feature (laughs) called The Bookshop starring Emily Mortimer, which is like... Ridiculous. (laughs) It is... (laughs) The outfits are nice, yes. if you recall. All of these um, movies are very cozy, if that's yeah. what you're looking for. Yes, yeah. Um, but the documentaries are better But this films. is, yeah. And apparently, good news, uh, not only did they save this particular bookstore, but uh, dudes, one of his daughters is sort of training to, to become the manager of the Oh, place. good. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. Because um, I know at one point in the film, he talks about how... Uh, well, I don't know, you know, kids, do they want this? You know, yeah. like, and, and apparently one of them, one I of pulled them up does. an article about it and it says one of the daughters is, you know, going to pull it right out from under him and take over and become the manager <laughs> ruthlessly. No, worse, he's going to divide it between the two daughters and then they'll go to <laughs> make war. Them, make, them, make them go to war over it. <laughs> it's like Empire, King Lear. King Lear, yeah. Um, the... Uh, yeah, this is just this is a movie about a dude who likes hanging out and being an old hippie and not selling out and 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 giving making people read books. Yeah. Oh, hey, guess what? What? We have a Patreon. Yeah, we do. Um, here's what happens. I'll tell, I'll tell them all about it. Oh, okay. Patreon. What's it? Patreon.com slash linoleum, linoleum knife. knife. You go there. You check out the different levels. You subscribe to one or the other level. Depending on how you, what level you subscribe at, we have other shows. One is called Linoleum Knife Presents More Linoleum Knife, where we talk about old old movies in in for a long time, yeah. like 30 minutes. Uh, then one of them is called LKTV, where we talk about television shows. One is called Linoleum Knife and Fork, where we talk about Dinner. <laughs> we'll be talking about, on this week's episode, we'll be talking about the variations that I employed in making the Harissa white bean stew for the second time. Mm. So that it's not so staggeringly spicy as it was the first time. Yeah. And... With regular lemon instead of preserved lemon, because I don't remember who complained about the preserved lemon the first time. Was it you? I don't or think Or was so. it Brian? I don't remember. But one of you 
was sort of like, I don't know if I like the preserved lemon. And I said, well, it's because you're wrong. <laughs> but this time, so full of opinions, I put regular lemon in it. All right. You guys, preserved lemon is really great. <laughs> and if the recipe calls for it, don't shy away. Just the, do it. These are the kind of insights you get on linoleum. You nice just pork. do the preserved lemons. <laughs> People don't develop these recipes for their health. I mean, maybe they do. <laughs> they, they, they've developed them for deliciousness, for pleasure. Fine. Eating is pleasure. It is. Agreed. Anyway, that Harissa white bean stew is on the stove right now. We're going to eat it for dinner as soon as we're finished recording this podcast. Awesome. And, and you're going to like it this time. I liked Instead it last of time. Complaining. I liked it last time. I just, aching. I was, I, it just made me like Tex Avery. A fire alarm went off <laughs> on the back of my head because the harissa was a lot. I went back and watched the recipe video. I know she uses more. She no. I must confess something. <gasps> oh, tablespoons versus teaspoons. She held up two types of harissa: mild and the kind we have in the tube in the door of the fridge mm -hmm. and she puts three tablespoons of the mild into the stew really and then she takes taste of the of the of the really hot stuff mm -hmm. and says oh wow okay uh and then she squirts a big squirt of it into the stew <laughs> i see so if i made any error the first time around it was by putting Three entire tablespoons of the hot, hot, hot harissa gotcha. into the stew. Today's, there are approximately two tablespoons. Okay. Maybe you need to get some mild harissa in your life. I don't think so. Okay, fine. I mean, mild is nice. But the gotcha kind. <laughs> if it's not making you cry, Dave's not interested. What is, what's the point of life <laughs> if you can't feel your food? You need to feel your food. Uh, I want to share. Oh, we're also going to be talking about finally getting our hands on the Dolly Parton banana cake. Yes. Mix. I, I, try, I had to go all the way to Orange County to find them, but I found them. Not the frosting, but the cake mix at least. Oh, is that where the Ralph's was that you went to? Yeah. Was it in Orange County when yeah. you went to the mall? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, oh, so anyway, here's more for uh, Patreon. Um, that's linoleum uh, knife and fork. fork. Uh, and then there's... Um, Linoleum Nights, yeah, which is a podcast where we talk about any old thing we want to, and it's live on camera on Sunday mornings. I know it's called Linoleum Nights, and we record it on Sunday morning, but um, we swear. Yes, we use the all the words that we don't use here on this nice, clean, extremely family-friendly podcast. Exactly. Yeah, uh, I want a couple of uh, Patreon.com/slash Linoleum. I wanted to throw out a couple of. Blu-ray picks of movies that, um, well, you know, I've talked before about missingmovies.org and about all the, the, the films from not that long ago, from the, often from the 70s and 80s, that somewhere between VHS and DVD just disappeared. And two uh, Blu-rays are coming out this month for films that I think mainly because of music rights uh, were kind of tough to track down for a while. Um, Times Square and Almost Summer. Yeah. Both early 80s uh, teen-centered films. Times Square is from uh, Alan Moyle, who would later uh, write and direct uh, Pump Up the Volume. And uh, it is 
exceedingly music centric. It's about uh, two girls uh, on their own in in Manhattan who wind up sort of forming a punk band, right? I, I've actually never seen Times Square, so I'm not entirely positive that's what it's about. But I know that Tim Curry as a DJ plays a major role in it, and there are a ton of songs in the film. And then Almost Summer, which is kind of a proto-election um, in that it, it's about uh, people using a, a student campaign for, um, you know, personal antagonism and, uh, and agendas, uh, starring a young, uh, I think Bruno Kirby's in it, right? I don't remember who's in it, but I do think Bruno Kirby might be in it. Yeah. All I remember about it, and this is such a weird thing, it was a film that was always on HBO. Mm-hmm. In the very early uh, 80s, late 70s, early 80s, um, I would go to my dad's apartment specifically because he had HBO. Oh, it, it is Bruno Kirby. It came out in 78. Yeah. Um, we did not have HBO. My dad did. So I'd go to my dad's apartment and I'd be like, I'm, st- I'm spending the night <laughs> because there are four movies I want to watch on HBO. <laughs> And he'd be like, okay. You know, he'd go out <laughs> like <laughs> on a date and I'd have to stay in his apartment and just watch movies. Almost Summer was on all the time. I watched it so many times. But that was 40 years ago and I don't remember anything about it anymore other than that at the time I was super into watching it over and over again. Hmm. Um, so now that there's a Blu-ray, I'm excited to watch <laughs> it again. Uh I want to see uh, what it was that I responded to so uh, strongly. I think I saw it once on HBO back then, and I remember it being, you know, charming. And then, uh, but yeah, it's just been gone. (laughs) When you were a kid and you saw a movie like this on HBO, did you walk around telling people that it was charming? No, I did not. Uh, would other kids come to you and say, how did you like that movie? And you'd say, I found it to be charming. Uh, yes. Uh, and, you and were then, like 14. And then I would put down my brandy snifter and adjust <laughs> my cravat. No, I did not say it was charming. We got some letters. Great. Linda says, every time you said fashions of 1934 in this episode, it sounded to my ears like fascism 1934. <laughs> Well, now, if Betty Davis had gone to Berlin with uh, that yeah. guy, she would have seen fascism of 1934. Yeah. Um, Dr. Steve says, for what it's worth, I found fashions of 1934 streaming on HBO Max. Hmm. I could not remember if you mentioned that streamer. Uh, we did not, so thank you for catching that. We we had T-voted off of TCM, but apparently uh, it is on the TCM hub on uh, on HBO Max. And those are the letters of the episode for today. Okie doke. The revolutionary letters of today. Because <laughs> we have to hurry up and eat food that I've cooked. Yes. That will then be the subject of a podcast. Indeed. It all, and everything then you're going to run off. Feeds into everything To else. see down, Downtown Abbey. Downtown Abbey. <laughs> two. Why uh, did I Downtown Abbey two? I would go with you, uh, but... <sighs> I want to see it uh, like at 11 a.m. In an afternoon. In an afternoon, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll see it before the next episode, obviously. Sure. Because, I mean, come on, it's Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
nonsense, utter nonsense. I'm ready. Other people are excited about Top Gun. And that utter nonsense. Right. I'm excited about a different type of utter nonsense. The posh kind. (laughs) Both of them are packs of lies, but... (laughs) It opened in the UK first, so I had to send a British critic to see it. And boy, did he, did nobody he, hates Downton Abbey did he like shred it. Did he shred it appropriately? Uh, pretty much. Okay. But he referred to the show as the Toffs and Staff drama. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I know. I know what I'm watching. Yes. I understand what I'm watching. We know what side of the class war we're on, but this, still. <laughs> Everyone's so nice. They're all so nice. And if you liked the tweeds in that bookshop. Mrs. Movie, Patmore is their family. <laughs> she, a, they paid for her to get eye surgery. Daisy is family. <laughs> Daisy wants to burn that place down. Right? Daisy, Daisy is going to... Uh, now that the Irish uh, chauffeur has been tamed and domesticated. Yes. They, they, Daisy's the one that's going to set fire to yeah. the place. Daisy's yeah. the new red diaper baby on that show. <laughs> Anyway, thank you all for listening. Um, check out my other podcasts, please. Oh, I'm there on... are 36 other podcasts. <laughs> I'm on Maximum Film on the Maximum Fun Network, uh, Breakfast All Day with Chrissy Lemire over on YouTube. Uh, and Mondays, I'm on Deck the Hallmark with Bran talking about um, older Christmas movies that uh, he's never seen or that he wants to torture me with. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. I like it. Anyway, um, and let's see. Well, oh, goodness. Uh, you can subscribe to the show for free at Apple Podcasts. And if you leave a five-star review, which no one has done lately, we will read yeah, it. Yeah, what's up? We'll read it here why, on the show. Why are people not leaving us five-star reviews? You can reviews? also give us stars and thumbs-ups and whatever in all the places that we stream, including Stitcher Radio, uh, Spotify, thelounge.com, uh, Google Play, Apple Music, or uh, Amazon Music, uh, Castbox, Podbean, etc. Um, you can follow us at Linoleum Cast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com with questions or comments. And um, yeah, we'll be back next time with, uh, with, with Downton and other things. What other things? What else is opening? There's, there's this? other things. Is there something else opening tomorrow that's big? I don't even know. I don't even know. Something. Right, we'll, we'll have things to talk out. about. Not to worry. Anyway, uh, thank you all for listening. Until next time. Goodbye.